0: The presence of the Lord is already in the room. Amen. Amen. Let's praise him once again for his presence on this morning. Now let's get into the word. Please turn with me to John 3, verse 1. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can't he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing, reading, and doing of his word. Now this passage is an account of one of the most crucial conversations in the Bible. I have not read one quite like it. Within it is one of the most foundational scriptures in Christianity. The grave majority of us have heard and quoted a verse a little bit further down from our text, John 3.16, which reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We've all heard the scripture. We've all quoted it before. But in many cases, we don't know the context of what was going on when Jesus said it. Who Jesus was talking to and why he was saying it. At this time, Jesus was in Jerusalem with the disciples during the time of Passover. In the verses prior to our text today, it says that he was there. There were many that were willing to follow him because of what they had seen him do, but Jesus wanted no part of that kind of validation. He had been there ministering and healing people, and as always, there was always a crowd and a commotion going on around him. He had just been in the temple cleaning house, turning over the tables of the money changers and confronting the corruption and the guile of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who pretty much were the rulers of Hebrew culture and society. Yes, there was a king in Israel, And above him and behind him were the Romans. But in all actuality, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that ran the everyday life and affairs of the people of Israel. It was to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus spoke the, the meanest, most harsh words that the Bible records him saying to anyone else. He told the Pharisees and the Sadducees to their faces that they were a den of vipers. That they were like a cup that was clean on the outside, yet filthy on the inside. That they were like a beautiful crypt full of dried up and decaying bones. It was the Pharisees that ultimately swayed the crowd and pressured Pontius Pilate to crucify Jesus. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Rolling it back just a little bit. We are at this time in Jerusalem with Jesus and his disciples at the time of the Passover. After a day of touching and healing people and turning over tables and confronting injustice and the Pharisees, Jesus and his disciples found a place to get some much-needed rest for the night. The Bible then says that during that night there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, which means he was pretty high up in that world, a ruler of the Jews who came to talk to Jesus In the middle of the night. After thinking about it for a while, it's not hard to assume why Nicodemus went to Jesus at night instead of trying to speak to him in the middle of the day when he was surrounded by crowds. Outside of the fact that Nicodemus was a Pharisee and the Pharisees were always trying to discredit Jesus, Jesus was always embarrassing them publicly. So Nicodemus probably wanted to avoid losing face in front of the people and his fellow Pharisees. It's understandable. It was probably his job as a member of the Sanhedrin to gauge different individuals that were being heard and expressing themselves among the people during that day. Had to see what they were all about. He probably heard Jesus speaking many times to the crowds and teaching in the temple about how the kingdom of heaven was at hand. About how the first shall be last and the last Shelby first. He had probably watched as Jesus touched and healed many people and freed them from demonic oppression. He probably wanted to talk to Jesus many times. We don't know. He probably really had a heart for God and he wanted to see God work and interact with his people as God did in the days of old. He probably longed for the days when he could visibly see God's glory and presence return to Israel, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. He may have heard how God moved through the people of Israel visibly, miraculously in the past, but under the law and the old ways, he may have wondered if it was possible anymore. During his time as a Pharisee, he had probably seen the hypocrisy evident in the hearts of his fellow Pharisees. He could see how they had become rigid and oppressive. But every time he heard Jesus speak, something stirred inside of him. He probably wanted to talk to Jesus and approach Jesus many times we may never know exactly what Nicodemus was thinking. We may never know exactly what was in his heart when he went to see Jesus in the dark of night. But what we do know is that when he finally approached Jesus, he had a pretty solid idea that there was more to Jesus than anyone that he had seen before. He said, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Now, Jesus, probably having seen Nicodemus in the crowds, on occasion got straight to the point and spoke a paradox to him, a divine paradox. Paradox. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Our title for today is Divine Paradox. Look at your neighbor and say, A divine paradox. Now, the word paradox comes from the Greek word paradoxon or paradoxos. It means incredible. A paradox is an apparent contradiction, an inconsistent saying, an illogical truth. A paradox is a statement or an expression that is seemingly absurd or self-contradictory. The fact that a statement is paradoxical does not mean that it is untrue. It just means that the statement doesn't seem to be logical on the surface. If a person was to tell me that he had been taught to read by someone who could not read, I don't think that I would be able to believe him. To me, it would seem to be a paradox, I mean, how can someone who cannot read teach a person or teach others to read? Or how can someone who cannot swim teach others to swim? After getting advice from someone one day, I told my dad about it, who gave me the advice that the gentleman had given me, and dad said, never let a naked man sell your clothes. It was a paradox. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> Dad's like, yes, I know. I dropped these pearls of wisdom all over the places. But life is full of paradoxes. Y'all gonna be saying that next. Never let a man sell your clothes. Amen. But life is full of paradoxes. They're all around us, truths. Some large and some small that are widely quoted, but many times their gravity goes unnoticed in our everyday lives, like the more you try to impress people, the less impressed they'll be. That's a paradox. Or the more you try to keep someone close, the further away you'll push them. That, too, is a paradox. Or how about the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. That one's up there with ignorance is bliss. Or the, the only certainty is that nothing is ever certain. That, too, is a Paradox. You all have heard me say many times that the only thing that will never change is the fact that there will be change. Paradox. There are more even personal paradox which are less popular when you're going through them. Like if you can accept yourself just as you are, then you can change. Or to have a friend, one must first show themselves friendly. Because you never see a lonely, friendly person. Paradox. Or to truly find love, one must first give love. It's a paradox to believe that life can come from death, but it is true. To give life to or to bring forth a plant, first a seed must die. It's a paradox of nature that within every orange seed is an orchard, that in every grape there is a vineyard. Or that of all the species of the larger forms of life on this planet, humans are the most helpless when born. And they take more time to physically and mentally develop than any other creature on the planet. But after maturity, they are the most capable and dangerous creatures on the planet. We could wipe this whole thing out in a second. That's a paradox. We can look at the skyline of the city and see skyscrapers stretching all the way up into the sky. The higher those buildings go, the deeper the foundation that has to be dug. The higher you build, the deeper you have to dig. These are paradoxes of nature. Even the Declaration of Independence contains a paradox. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and here it comes, the pursuit of happiness. The paradox lies in the fact that the more that we pursue or chase happiness or pleasure, the more unhappy we become. The more you run after it, the more it hides from you. Happiness as an objective can never be pursued. Chasing it as a goal only makes us more anxious and disappointed. For example, you pick up some hobby or pursuit that you believe will bring you some form of enjoyment, some form of happiness. But what happens that you is that you end up becoming so focused on getting good at it that you, in effect, fail to enjoy yourself and fail to get any happiness out of it. I've seen as many men stressing out and cursing on the golf course as I have fighting in traffic. Somebody right here is wondering why they shot won't drop right. There may be someone here online that believes that falling in love with or being with someone will make you happy. You've been pushing hard for a commitment and relationship with someone because you believe that being in relationship will make you complete. But what happens eventually is that you become so focused on your goal to become happy that you completely miss the beauty of being in the moment that God has you in. You miss the joy of learning who you are in Christ, which makes the process of being in relationship nearly impossible, which only makes you more frustrated. But we have to come to terms with the paradox of learning to be alone but not lonely before we can hear what God is telling us about who we really are in Him. One day in my life, I had to learn how to be alone but not lonely. Somebody's fighting that right now, but that's a paradox. Amen. That's what we're talking about today. But the fact is that we rarely notice happiness when we experience it. I need to to stick here just for a second before we go forward because I feel someone is dealing with this very issue. But we've rarely noticed happiness when we experience it because we pursue still more and more. We have to have more. We only notice the absence of it when it is already gone. Paradoxically, As such, pursuing happiness is likely to make us more and more unhappy. Just when happiness is in fact just within reach. Right there. That's why we are told to be grateful at all times. We're so busy looking ahead for happiness that we miss what is around us that would in effect make us happy. It's a paradox. To quote Nathal Hawthorne, he says, Happiness is a butterfly, which when pursued is always beyond your grasp, but which, if you will sit down quietly, it may alight upon you. It's a paradox. There are many paradoxes in the Bible, which I call divine paradoxes. Give, and it shall be given to you. In the world system, the more you give, the less you have. But in the spirit, you receive by giving. By giving to the man of God, before she made her and her son their last meal, the widow had enough food to last her and her son Throughout the famine, it's a paradox. It's a paradox that those poor in spirit, that those who are persecuted shall gain the kingdom of heaven. It's a paradox that the meek shall inherit the earth. And those who are proud shall be cast down and humiliated. It's a paradox that we are told to be glad in the midst of persecution. Matthew 5 and 11 says, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Remember he said falsely, amen. That means you really can't have done the stuff that they saying that you did, when they shall say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. By the world's standards, if you're being reviled and persecuted, then you're just being reviled and persecuted. But here in the word, you are to consider yourself blessed if the world persecutes you. That's a divine paradox. There's others. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall save it. If one is to be great, he must be a servant. By dying to the flesh, you get life everlasting. Those are all paradoxes. The word is saying that the way up is down. That if you want to kiss the sky... You have to learn how to kneel. Those are divine paradoxes. Jesus, our Lord's existence in and of itself, is the greatest divine paradox. Down through the ages, men have been men and God has been God. As David said, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God has always been omniscient, or all-knowing, and God and man's knowledge cannot even be compared to God's knowledge. God is omnipresent everywhere at once, but man is confined within his body. Men and humans die, but God lives on forever, outside of and beyond time. Men worship whatever they worship, but there is nothing for God to worship. God just is. There has always been a difference between God and man. But Jesus, (laughs) Jesus was both God and man. For he said that he and his father are one. That is a paradox, but it is truth. Jesus is the king of the universe, but he had no earthly kingdom. Think about it. The word that was with God, that was God, that was there at the beginning before time was created, was born in a stable. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, things fit for only use for animals. He was the king of all kings, yet he came and lived as a servant. Hmm. It's difficult for us to think about this because in the way of the world, kings rule and they are served. They do not serve. Yet the king of all kings washed the feet of his subjects. He wasn't afraid to hold the leper, to eat with tax collectors and prostitutes, to suffer the little children to come unto him a paradox he could command the sea the air and the storm yet he let himself be taken and mocked and beaten he let himself he let himself be crucified on a hill that he created he let himself be nailed to a tree that he spoke into existence by those who he came to To save. This is a mystery of the ages that the word talks about. It is a divine paradox. Oh, somebody in here give the Lord praise on this morning. So here we have Nicodemus, a walking paradox in and of himself. By all accounts and by his position, he was seen by the world and by the people as being closer to God. But in his heart of hearts, he knew that because of his position in the community, he felt even further away. Because of the way in which God has set down the natural laws of this world, men are born and they die. But Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be, he could be, born again. Nicodemus didn't understand. But Jesus was talking about spiritual birth and not a physical birth. Because if any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Paradox. And being told that he had to be born again, he realized that he had to face the fact that he had to leave all that he knew behind. All that he thought brought him closer to God than everyone else. He had to leave all of that Behind That for all of his knowledge of the law, he had to realize that God wanted to make him a new creature. Later on in John, when the Pharisees in their anger tried to arrest Jesus, it was Nicodemus that brought to their attention that their law said that an accused person had to be heard before they could be arrested and tried. Nicodemus was the sole voice of reason that tried in his own way to say that Jesus had not done anything wrong. It was a very, very dangerous thing for a man in his position to do. But I believe that Nicodemus was on his way to being born again. Beloved, we too are walking paradoxes. And God wants to do something inside of each and every one of us here, each and every one of us online. But like Nicodemus, we have to come to terms with the fact that if we want to bring out what God has put inside of us, if we want to find our lives ultimately, we have to be ready to give it all up to our Heavenly Father. We have to be born again. Here's what it all comes down to. Here's the main point. The divine paradox. That if you give your life to Christ, he will give it back to you in a way that you did not think possible. You're holding on to so much, and you're making so many plans of what you think you need to do. If you give it over to Christ, He will give it back to you, multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over in a way that you could not imagine. Mm. Just give it to him. And he see what He gives you back. Your life will only take true meaning if you put it in God's hands. It will become more if you put it in God's hands. You see, a rod in my hands is just a rod in my hands. But a rod in Moses' hands parted the Red Sea and brought water out of a rock. The jawbone of a donkey in my hands is just the jawbone of a donkey in my hands. But in Samson's hands, it became a weapon that defeated a battalion. A sling in my hands is just a sling in my hands. But a sling in the hands of David becomes a giant killer. Fishing loaves in my hand is just fishing loaves in my hand. But fishing loaves in Jesus' hands can feed a multitude. Your life in your hands is just one life in the many lives that come and go on earth in obscurity. But your life in God's hands could change the world. It's a paradox. 1 Corinthians 1 and 23 but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block. And to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's a divine paradox. Oh, give the Lord praise on this morning. beloved we see unseen things we conquer by yielding we rest under a yoke we reign by serving we are made great by becoming small we are exalted when we are humble we become wise by being fools for christ's sake we are made free by becoming bond servants. We gain strength when we are weak. We triumph through defeat. We find victory and glorifying in our infirmities. We live by dying. It is a divine paradox. Let's give the Lord praise on this morning. Hallelujah. Everyone standing, everyone standing, I'm through. This is my worship. It is my worship. Receive my worship. All of my worship. my worship. Hallelujah. All of oh, worship me worship the Lord with me on today. Oh, come on. Let's give him praise on today. Everyone lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's worship him today. Father. Hallelujah. my worship. Oh, you're worthy, Father God. All of my worship. Hallelujah. See my, worship. All of my worship. Everyone, please bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. This is just between you and the Lord right now. I know you're in a room full of people, but It is just you and him now inside of your heart. It is a divine paradox that even though it seems like you have nothing left to live for, that it seems like you may have ruined your life and squandered every opportunity, that you can still have another chance at real life real life that by letting Christ into your life you can be a new creation a new person all things having passed away all things becoming new we all deserve justice but through Jesus we can have mercy and life Jesus paid it all All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. It is a divine paradox. What God has for you in your future is so much more than anything that you could imagine for your life. He has purpose in mind for you. He has meaning in mind for you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts that you would have peace. Thoughts not of evil, that you would have a future and a hope. Thoughts that you would have a purpose. If you want to get in line with who God created you to be, With who God saw you as before he even said the words, let there be light and form this planet. For before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you. I put purpose inside of you. I put greatness inside of you. If you want to get in line with who God created you to be, just come forward. Come on down here, we wanna pray with you. We wanna stand with you. There is no judgment. No one's gonna point at you and wonder who you are, what you've been through or what you've been doing. Just come on down here. We wanna stand with you and we wanna pray with you. We wanna agree with you. If you feel that you've fallen away from God and you've fallen away from where God was leading you, we wanna pray with you too come forward. It does not matter if you've been coming to West Angeles for years. It doesn't matter if you've been shouting across the front of the church in the past and people saw you. If you wanna come closer into who God wants you to be, just come forward, we love you. We wanna stand with you, we want to agree with you. We wanna let you know that you are not alone. Hallelujah. You may want to recommit and reaffirm your desire to let him guide you. To let him do a work in you. Just just come forward. It don't matter if you've been a member for years. We all could get closer to the Lord. I want to be down there at the altar getting closer to him myself. Just come on forward. There is no judgment here. There is no judgment here. There is no judgment here. Just come on. We love you. We want to stand with you. You are not alone. Just come forward. We believe in you. We believe in what God has put inside of you. Just come forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. ba ba go la